Hey everyone, thanks for joining me. Today I want to start off with um, a question that I've been asked many times, and that is, what has happened to me in my lifetime that scared me the most? Actually, the thing that happened to me was not anything of a mystery or paranormal that I found very unsettling. It wasn't creepy, but it was very scary. The situation that I was in, I was in Orange County. I believe I was driving down, oh, I, I think it was Beach Boulevard. So anyways, I'm driving and there is a policeman or sheriff, whatever the heck he was, in his car, you know, in his cop car, and he was weaving all over the place. I mean, he was all over the road, like he was just so drunk, he could not keep it straight. So he was in like the left lane, the right lane, he was all over the place. So I was going slow because I wanted to stay behind him. He, He went so far as to go over to the left lane and there was a meridian there that it was a raised meridian. So it like had a curb and he crashed into that curb thing. Like he was going to go over the meridian. So the reason I was scared is because I'm thinking, oh great, there's a cop and he's drunk. Obviously he's impaired uh, somehow. And With that being said, you know, all I need now is for him to start going nuts and like busting caps or whatever. So that to me was a very scary experience and it's one that I will never forget. So as soon as I came to an area where I could turn and get off that road, I did. I didn't want to be anywhere around this guy. I would have called 911. But this was at a time before cell phones. This was like right before cell phones. So I would have had to find a pay phone, get out, dig for change, and then call 911. Or maybe I guess you didn't have to have change. You could just call it for free. But anyhow, yeah, if I would have had a phone, I would have definitely called because either... This guy was on something, or maybe he was just, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't think of anything else unless he was, he stroked out or something. But it went on for a while before I was able to turn. And that is what has scared me the most. Like, oh, yeah, all I need to do is pull up on sight this guy, and he's going to say, oh, what the heck are you doing? He's going to pull out his gun and start shooting me, whatever. So that, that scared me, and um, that's been a while ago, and I won't forget it. Other than that, if you want to talk about, um, uh, you know, like more of the paranormal kind of thing, I've, I've had a few things that have happened, but... While initially it may have startled me, then you know how I am. Then my nosiness comes out and um, that supersedes any fear that I may have.
I'm just too nosy for my own good. I guess uh, I've had so many experiences. I really can't just uh, name one, but I will say that uh, something that happened to me that was very disturbing is when I was bit by something on my ear and when something came and laid down in the bed beside me, something that really wasn't there, even though the bed did go down like there was a depression in the mattress, you know, when it, whatever it was laid down next to me. And I even heard it go <sighs> like that when it laid down, like whatever it was was just worn out. So that was a little unsettling. But anyways, um, getting back to something that's happening right now. All right, this is someone who I'm acquainted with who approached me we were talking about antiques. I like to go antiquing, but I have to be careful about what I buy or whatever. I don't buy a whole lot of antiques because uh, it's just, it's, uh, you have to be very careful, especially someone like me. I just, I like some of them, but I will say that when I look at things like the old stoves and ovens and things like this that you can find at certain antique stores. They may be from the 40s. Some of them are very old, like from the 40s and 50s and stuff like this. I like the look of them. They're so retro, but in a way, it's kind of sad because as I look at them and I think, the sad part about these things are that um, whoever had these, well, they're all passed on now, but people actually were using these things in their kitchens at one time, making dinner, making breakfast for their families, and so on, and now these people are no longer with us. So that kind of thing just kind of sticks in my mind while I'm looking at these old stoves. Some of them are in really good shape, and some of them are pretty beat up. So they have all kinds. There is one store I go to in particular, and they seem to have a lot of kitchen items like this, as well as a lot of furniture, couches, and even old wash basins and things. And while they're interesting, I would I just wouldn't buy one. I really couldn't, even if I had some decorated area that was all old-fashioned, I would probably just have to get reproductions. I could not get a real antique like like that. So we were just talking about antiques and things like this. I Okay, I have one item that's original, and it is a, an old Victrola. And this thing, you know, you crank it up, and you can actually play it. It works. It sounds like heck, but it does work. And I have had this thing for probably about 25 years. And it is my, um, it's like my my showpiece. I just really, really like this thing. But anyways, I've had it for a long time and there's nothing attached to this item at all. So getting back to my story, we were talking about antiquing and going to these type of places, you know, looking for collectibles and so on. And this this woman says to me, you know, have you ever heard of 
anyone buying an antique and then strange things started happening. And I said, what's happened? And what did you buy? And she said, well, I was at an antique store and I saw this. She said, it's kind of like a doll, but it's kind of like a, a statue because it's about two feet high. It's stuffed. It's like a stuffed animal, but it's not fluffy. It's, it's more rigid and it's standing on a base, a round wooden base, and it's made of material, but it's, it's stuffed, but ha- kind of hard. And the face of it looks like it's made of leather. So I, I said, okay, but what is it? What's it, uh, what's it supposed to be? And she said, it's supposed to be a kitty. It's called Teapot Kitty or something like that. Because it's holding a little porcelain teapot. She said, but to me, the face kind of looks like a rat. And so I was like, all right, so it's supposed to be a kitty, but it looks like a rat. And she said, yes, and it's, the face looks like it's made of leather. The rest of this thing is material. It's wearing this checkered dress. The shoes are like painted or some kind of thing on and so are the eyes and and the mouth and things like this and it's wearing like this uh not a hat but like this wrap around the head where there's like a bow in the front it's wearing one of those things and it's the same material and pattern of the dress so all right so what do you think is happening? Was my question. And she says, Well, I really didn't notice anything in, you know, to make a big deal out of. She said, Oh, some misplaced items, some this, some that. Mainly, I thought I'd put something here, but I couldn't find it. Then I would find it again in the same place I had looked for it earlier. She said, But those things happen especially when I'm in a rush and it's been busy now because we, you know, we're during, during the Christmas season, she said. So I really didn't think a whole lot about it until she said that she was in her bedroom. She was reading her book and she looked forward because her TV was on at the same time and she's reading. And she said, and that that teapot kitty was in my room at the foot of my bed. And so I asked her, so where was it prior to this? And she said it was in one of the guest rooms. She said, but once again, I didn't think a whole lot about it. She said, you know, I've been very busy and I do things and I don't pay attention. So I figured, all right, I could have just put it there. So she left it there until she got up and then she went to go and put it back in the other room. She said, when I put it back in the other room, I closed the door. So 
Then she went back in her room and everything was fine. She said, but the next day, she said, I was cleaning up. I was putting stuff away. And that damn thing was back in my room. And it happened within seconds. She says, one, one second I'm facing the one of the posters of my bed. You know, she has like this poster bed, whatever it's called. Because she's dusting and cleaning. And she says, I turn around to pick something up. I turn back facing the bed again. And that damn thing was right there. She said she dropped the stuff she was holding. And now she's freaked out. Like, how did this thing get in here? And there was no noise. She said this thing, there was no noise. And then when she went, she said, by now I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't want to pick it up, but I had to. So she picked it up. She went back into that room and the door was still closed. So she opens the door and puts the dowel back in there, closes the door. And she said, I stood out there and I'm thinking, what in the heck am I going to do about this? What am I going to do with this thing? She was afraid, she said, to put it in the trash because she was afraid that something was going to happen. Now she's kind of scared. So she goes back and she says, so I, I pick up that thing and I lift up its little dress because the legs of this, it has two legs. It, it, it has white material for the legs, you know, and then they're stuffed. But she said at the top of one of the legs is where it says, Teapot Kitty, one of eight. And that's all that it says. So she was looking for it online. She said, I looked and looked. I looked at, under different wordings. I took it to um, one, of the, one of the places that are nearby antique, and nobody knows exactly what this thing is. And then even the woman at the place where she took it to said, this thing looks like a rat. And she said, yeah, it's, it's Teapot Kitty, but it does look like a rat. And the, I don't know what to tell you guys about this, but I don't know. There's something about that leather face, which she's telling me about this. And then I'm thinking of this, this face. And she says, oh, it looks like leather. And I believe it's leather and it's brown. And she said, it's brown. It's kind of like the color of you. And I was like, okay, that's all I needed to hear. So she sent me a picture of it and I was looking around for it and I didn't see anything. And so she decided that she was going to try to sell it. She's like, maybe somebody else knows what this is. So she did the consignment thing because she sells a few items. That's why she goes and looks for antiques. And so she cannot sell this thing. Not only she can't sell it, but she can't even give it away. Nobody wants it. She says, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid if I put it in the trash, it's going to make something bad happen. And I understand what she's saying.
So the best thing, I believe, because to me, I wouldn't want to give it to anyone else. I wouldn't want to take that chance. I would tell them first. I've been experiencing some strange things with this. I want to let you know because um, it's just something that I personally would disclose. Worst case scenario, I would just go and leave it somewhere. Even though there have been stories about people doing this and then the items reappear back in their house. There's no way of saying that, oh, it's going to be a done deal once you get rid of it. If this thing has the ability somehow to move about, then it may come back. So she's asking me about stuff like this. And I said, well, for one thing, this is not an isolated incident of any kind. It's the first time that this has happened to you. But things like this happen pretty with pretty frequently. There are so many cases of this type of thing. So... What has happened here, I believe, is that there is something attached to this item. And that is what's causing this. But when we talk about this thing moving from room to room and the door is still closed, how is that happening? Is this thing able to change its matter change its composition to move through solid objects to reappear elsewhere is it able somehow whatever this thing is that's attached to this item is it uh opening the door and then this thing levitating and going into the other room these are things that uh we don't know and she was just looking at me like, you know how you're holding your arms when you're cold? And she said, oh, man, okay. She said, well, I'm going to have to try to get this out of my house somehow. Yeah, now that's the thing. A lot of times, people have to um, do certain things when they are trying to rid themselves of certain objects like this. Sometimes they have to put them in a locked box with some other items. Uh, they have to, you know, like the Dybbuk box and how they finally had to um, go and bury it with some other items around it to keep it from opening or whatever it, it does. That's something that, if it comes back, is going to have to be done because we don't know. She said, okay, I'm just going to go and leave it over there, you know, somewhere and uh, see what happens. So it's a, it's creepy to me because this thing, it, it's legs. I mean, I'm just talking just as a normal thing. Okay. If it was even able to walk, if this thing was even able. Well, it can't because it's attached to a base, a wooden base. Those legs are either screwed in, like from the feet, to that wooden base somehow. 
It's solid on there. So it's, you have to be so careful, man. I, I can't even tell you. It's, and the, the thought of something just appearing out of nowhere with no sound, no nothing. That's the part that creeps me out. Just like, here I am. And if you've ever encountered anything like this, this type of activity, you know that along with this comes like this feeling that is very difficult for me to explain. It's like this overwhelming, dreadful feeling. It's just overwhelming. And then you almost feel like you're surrounded. It's a, it's a horrible feeling. It's a, a feeling of dread and a feeling of oppression. And for this time of year, for whatever reason, where there's less sunlight, just makes these things worse. It's almost like if it's the summertime and it's a bright day and it's warm, it, it's almost like you have more like a courage or whatever it is. But when it's gray and it's cold and it's raining and you're like inside because, well, what else is there to do? That's when these things just seem to be able to get under your skin a little bit more. So we're going to have to see what happens. I told her, well, see what happens. And uh, we we agreed on a location that she's going to take this thing to. And uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. If it comes back, then we're going to have to do um, something so that uh, it, it's not able to come back. But, yeah, that is, uh, I, I mean, when you stop and think about it, stop and think about how many things, how many stories there are just about strange things that happen like this, about spooky things, about paranormal, about mysteries and objects and all this other stuff ghost stories, whatever you want to call them. Just think about how many there are. And just the ones that I know of. And I always think to myself, I'm just one person. And just what I know of, just what I've experienced, and just think of, I mean, how how many times can we times that by? One person by how many million or billion people who have experienced these type of things. It's just like everywhere. And when so many people have these type of things to tell, these type of experiences, for People, and especially a lot of the skeptics. Now, you have skeptics who are beyond skeptical. They're just out and out unbelieving, and they think that you're making things up or you're nuts or whatever. But for them to just casually say, oh, it's probably this, it's probably that. Oh, you probably just did it in in the middle of the night. No, there are too many things going on to just play it off like that. It's it's just too much. 
And not only is it too much, but it's been happening for eons. It, this is not anything new. Like this did, didn't just start like in the 20th century and now, you know, we're in the 21st century and it's continuing. No, these type of things have been reported for centuries. And before they were able to write things down, they drew them. You've got drawings in caves. You've got all kinds of things that tell these type of stories. You've got hieroglyphics that tell a story. A lot of these stories, I mean, going back to ancient Egypt, they are, the truth is hidden. The truth is suppressed. There are a lot of things that were discovered on some of the islands like Avalon, you know, right off of Long Beach out there that you don't hear about. They suppress all of these things. I don't know why, but I know that they do. And there's so much proof out there. So, yeah, you, I was reading a few years ago about Catalina Island and some of the things that were found on that island. And what happened was the Smithsonian Institute went out there and snatched them all up. So now there is no physical proof. There are people who were able to get some pictures of these things. But they don't have the items right there anymore. They wanted to perhaps make a museum with these things in it. But no, 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 no. Now, you got the Smithsonian in New York going to go to Catalina and confiscate these items. That tells me that somebody was scared. Somebody was worried that this would come out and that everyone would know about it. Now, why is that? Why would they want to hide things like this? Well, that's to rewrite history. That's to keep things suppressed, keep things away from us. Then when certain things start happening, we think it's for the first time. But the saying, there is nothing new under the sun, is true. That is a very true statement. And some things that may be coming out in the, in the near future are not going to really be anything new. It's all happened before. We may get into that a little bit later, coming up in January. But... Um, there are some things that they look like they're getting ready to happen. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not going to be new. It's, you just have to uh, dig and dig and try to read about all the hidden history. Okay, so my next subject is, this is a story that my grandmother told me. My grandmother... Um, she has had a lot of experiences herself. And she was telling me, you know, when she was a little girl, she used to live, they lived in uh, Arizona. 
and they had a ranch. They owned a ranch. And there were other ranches nearby. And um, there was this man who lived in the vicinity. And everyone knew. I guess he was kind of like the town drunk. He was just drunk all the time, every day. And so what he would do is he'd go to work. And he'd get his paycheck. And he'd spend it all at the bar. He would just drink it all the way. Then he'd stumble home and he would give his wife like, you know, a dollar to go and buy food. So she wasn't able to, what are you going to buy? Even then, what, what in the heck is she supposed to buy? And they had children. So he would just verbally abuse her, verbally abuse the children. Ah, if you can if you can't buy food with the money I give you, then what good are you, you so-and-so, and la, la, la. And my grandma said that he was really mean. She's like, man, he was so bad, and he was so mean. He'd be drunk, like, and saying all these mean things to her, and then demand that she make him food and all this stuff. And my grandma's like, how is she going to get food? He doesn't give him any money. The poor kids were, she said, wearing old junky stuff. Like everybody would donate to them clothing and stuff. She said, because that man was just rotten. He only cared about himself and getting drunk. So what happened was one day he's stumbling home and he meets this man. And this man says, um, you going home? I'm going to say, uh, you going home, Rick? And so Rick says, yeah, I'm going home and get out of my way, this and that. I got to go home. My wife got to make me some food. You get out of my way. So what this man does is he picks Rick up and starts flying. Okay, I'm getting goosebumps. So this man is flying and he's holding Rick like by his collar, and Rick is screaming, and this man is um, dragging Rick's body over cactus and rocks and things like this. So finally, he drops Rick in the middle of nowhere, and he flies away. So... By this time, Rick is, you know, uh, he's still kind of intoxicated. I mean, all that alcohol is still in his system. But he is wide awake like, what just happened to me? So finally, he, he walks through wherever he's at. It took him for a while till he finally got home. And he's all cut up. And he's beat up. And everybody's screaming. He looked horrible. Bloody and gouges out of his skin. His clothes shredded. And he tells everyone what happened to him. And he never did it again. After that incident, he sobered up. He went to work. 
He took his family. They they had a good life. They bought food. They bought clothes. He stopped being a drunk. I asked my grandma. I said, well, so what was it then? What kind of thing is going to do that? And I've heard similar stories. He's like, no, no, but this is true. And some kids who were outside playing saw him being dragged through, saw this. There were some witnesses who saw this. And they say that it looked like he was being dragged and um, stuffed by like a big black bird. Oh, I was like, really? She said, yeah. She said, this is a true story. Okay, so what was it? What's going to come and teach him a lesson? Because you have those like, like who say, well, that was a devil. But I have to think, well, but the devil likes people to do bad things. So why would he come and teach this guy a lesson? Why would he come and punish Rick? I don't know. Whatever it was, it was some kind of entity. And the story he told was a story of a well-dressed man. This guy was well-dressed and had a, like a fresh haircut. And he looked like somebody like from the city. That's how he described it. Oh no, this guy is not from the farm or the ranch. This guy's from the city. And almost killed Rick. So it's left up for us to decide what we think it was. What we think happened. But in my opinion, you're not going to get something bad coming and punishing you for doing something bad. That's just me. It's an interesting story. And I have heard of similar. One of the similar stories actually happened to someone um, not that long ago. It was earlier this year when he was going to get the shopping carts. He would go to retrieve shopping carts from people take them and use them and then throw them down the hillside and all this stuff. And he was over there in the, I believe, Canyon Lake area around there. And he was in this empty lot going to get shopping carts and there was something out there. He thought it was a tree, but then it came and it grabbed him and dragged him around and then just dropped him and left him there. This thing, though, did this for no reason because this guy is just a young guy. That That's the job that he does. He goes to get the shopping carts and he puts them all on this truck and then he takes them and and they, they go back to the markets, the whatever different markets. He's not married. He's not abusive. He wasn't doing anything bad. He's like, man, I don't know what or why. But I'm telling you, that's what happened to me. And the worst part about it is that once this thing was done dragging him around, he still had to go get the shopping carts out of that field and in some little ditches around there. So in that case, okay, what was that? The story's similar, but it's not the same. So it's, it's just, uh, 
I know that these kind of things happen. I know this. And the other thing, though, is that I have always heard, I don't know if it's true, but that if it is the devil, it will have hoofs, not feet. It will have like horse hoofs. Because from what I have been told, this entity can appear as an angel of light. It can appear as the best looking person you've ever seen. And so on. But that there is one thing that it cannot change. And that is the horse hoofs. I don't know. But it's just um, what I've always been told. Um, that's pretty much all I've got for those kind of uh, stories today. I would like to answer, actually, I would like to address one more question that I have been getting um, emails about, and that is my why I mentioned the name of William Wallace, okay? Well, why I mentioned William Wallace, who you may know as Braveheart, because that was a real person, is because I have encountered people who have been telling me now for the past, oh, I don't know, year and a half, almost two years, that we need a leader. These people have told me this. What we need is a leader. We need someone like a real freedom fighter that we can all get behind to lead us in our battle, which we are in a battle right now. We are in a type of war, okay? Maybe you want to call it asymmetrical warfare, but we are in a war, not a shooting war. It's a different type of war. And so I was thinking, well, I understand that. I understand what what these people are saying to me. Yes, because there is, we don't have that. We don't have a, like a leader, okay? We don't have a William Wallace. We don't have a Patton. We don't have anyone like this. So these people, I guess, are waiting for a leader. But then I read this. I read this statement. Someone made made a statement and said, we, each of us, each of us individually, we are the ones that we have been waiting for. It's not going to be, oh, we're, we're looking for someone to lead us into battle. No, no. Each of us, okay? And I know it's not easy. It's difficult to feel like you're that first person that's going to pick up that mantle, that's going to pick up that torch, that's going to pick up that sword and go forward. But if you look around, it's starting. As I look around, I see it happening. 
And that's why I said each of us is William Wallace. As long as we are ready and able to stand up and to fight and to face this thing head on without fear. Because in every battle, there's going to have to be sacrifice. There's just no other way. If we are to win, and I do believe that we will. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about. But I want to say, I see it happening right in front of my eyes now. I see it. Because for one thing, the narrative is failing. The fear isn't there anymore like it was last year, like it was at the beginning. Because for one reason, we were taken, we were taken and caught off guard, didn't know what in the fuck was happening. And so we were in a turmoil. We were in a whirlwind of fear. But now, guess what? It's not like that. I don't know where a lot of you are. I'm in Southern California. And they will tell you, and you will hear from everyone, that California is this and it's that. And it's, uh, you know, it's done. It's a, it's a captured state and so on. That's a lie. That is a lie. There are some cities, okay, like Los Angeles, like the Bay Area, that are. I don't know why that is, but they are. But for the most part, what I'm seeing today, today is December 20th, 2021. We're a few days away from Christmas. And as I go to the stores, to the shops, People aren't covering their faces. There are a few, and that's fine. We should have the right to make our own decision. That is fine. But to be forced? No. And it's not working now. People aren't going for it. And I'm talking about, I was in Kohl's, I was in Sprouts, I was at Total Wine and more. I was at Ross. And that's what I encountered. The fear, the fear porn that they're trying to put out there. It's not working. And so that is the beginning of the battle. I don't believe that in a free society, You could or should be forced to do anything. That just, it goes, where's the freedom in that, all right? So that's why each of us, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Pick it up, guys. Pick up your mantle, and carry on and go forward. That's the only way that we are going to regain freedom, regain our options, our ability to make a decision for ourselves. 
When I look at these people, it should be blatant that they are not looking out for us because they care about our health. They're looking to annihilate us. Look at them. Look at how they're living. They're living high on the hog. They're living off of the taxpayers. And they just really really could not give a damn if we live or die, but they would rather have us die. And I know it may sound strange to some of you, but as we go forward and look around, they're going to force people. They're going to, oh, you can't do this and you can't do that. You're not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. That's not because they care. No. They want to punish you. They want everyone to go against you. They're trying to separate the people and make everyone hate each other. Okay, well... You didn't do this. Well, I can't be your friend. Oh, that is so wrong. That is what the Nazis did in Germany. Segregation, isolation. And so that's why each of us is William Wallace. We just got to stand up and take it. You know, I'm not a political person, and this is not political. This is a spiritual thing. This is a a thing that, um, well, it's like a satanic attack, actually. It's happening here. Okay. Well, anyways, um, that's enough of my rant. I will try to be back tomorrow. It's getting busier each day. I'll try to be back tomorrow and tell you some more stuff, all right, and get into some more creepiness. I'm going to be able to actually read some stuff tonight that I want to share with you. And I want to thank you guys so much and um, have a great day. And as we get closer to Christmas and New Year's, let's make it the best one, all right? Ciao.